And joining me right now is Mr. Augie Nost. How's it going, my friend? Wonderful. I just don't know any other way to do it, so I'll keep doing that. Hey, I, that's a great answer. It's a very great answer. And I want to welcome you here to the program. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. You know, I've, I've heard and seen your name and heard your interviews for a, for a very long time, actually. And I've been meaning to reach out to you, so I'm glad we're finally able to do that here today. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I, I have never met a microphone that I didn't like. I love that answer. <laughs> Me too, actually. I have a, I have a collection of microphones now. Good. Had them for many, many years. Um, some microphones I just can't get rid of, and one of them right now is the one I'm on. Um, it's a very old microphone, but it sounds great, though, actually, when you actually hear it processed and all that jazz. But regardless, thank you so much for being here and spending some time with us. And as we begin, I just wanted to ask you, um, just for a little bit of a background, for those who really don't know anything about you, my friend, Oh, a little background about me? Sure. Uh, well, I, I am an import to the United States. I was born and raised in Europe, in Northern Europe, up in Norway. And I grew up on a farm and uh, it was this was a good life. And uh, I was the heir to it. And I, uh, you know, traditions are very strong over there. So um, everybody expected me to take over the farm and become a farmer. Well. The thing about it is that I just just couldn't see myself doing that. And I was just thinking, what in the world am I going to do if I'm not going to be a farmer? So um, I uh, started looking around and trying to figure out what my dream really was. And I ended up going up with a friend uh, riding around the back seat when he was taking flying lessons. Oh, wow. And uh, I looked around. And I knew it. This is what I want to do. And at the age of five, 25, I left Norway and came to the United States to go to flight school. I did that, and it was a very accelerated course, but it was a hard one, a real hard one. And a year later, I came out of there with the commercial pilot license instrument rating flight instructor, and uh, I had the multi-engine instrument instructor and uh, pretty much everything I could get. And I um, worked for other people for three years to gain more experience. And then I ended up with a partner. We started a flight school in Minneapolis, and it grew into an international air taxi and a, an air carrier. That was Arrowhead Airways in Minneapolis. And uh, <clears throat> I flew for a living for about 20, uh, 21 years. And I burned out because I did so much of it. So I started doing other things and I started studying the mine and got more into uh, oil painting and uh, also studying the spiritual arena within the mine. And uh, I, uh, I taught, I uh, ended up in Omaha, Nebraska, where I was teaching a mind development course called Zox Pro Training, where we were teaching people how to assimilate information out of a book at the rate of 50 to 100,000 words per minute with 95% retention. And that really did a lot for me. And uh, I expanded from there. I started more uh, teaching hypnosis for a while. And uh, I ended up with my own uh, radio shows. I've had many of them over the several decades. I uh, was 
had uh, hosting and producing two TV shows in Tucson for six years. And I've done uh, radio shows again, and now I'm doing a podcast with Nori Love. It's called uh, Broadcast Team Alpha. And uh, gosh, here I am talking to you. Very nice. Yeah, actually, when I went to flight school, I came here. I knew English fairly well, but I didn't know American very well. See, American language is not really English. There is a lot of words and phrases and misunderstandings that just gets in the way. And uh, I had a language barrier. Besides, when you come and start a new language to learn from, I was thinking in Norwegian and I was reading English books. So I had to, whatever I read, I had to create an understanding and then I had to convert that into Norwegian so it went into long-term memory. Now, after a while, that kind of went away. So I was able to store memory in English. And of course, now English is my first language is what I'm kind of calling it. But that became a barrier. And uh, here's a good point for uh, the listeners out there. If you really want to learn something, you can actually make some shortcuts. There are some tricks. So you can get phenomenal memory. One of them is Sox Pro Training. That's good. But there's another one that is uh, you can get yourself an old tape recorder and then get an, a one-minute endless tape. Take that tape and record something, something similar to, like, I have perfect memory of everything that I have seen and experienced, and I have total recall at any time I want it. That phrase, say that over and over again for about a minute, and then at night when you go to sleep, Put that tape recorder next to the bed, put that endless one-minute tape in it, start it, and run it all night. This is almost similar to a form of hypnosis, because when you sleep, your brainwave pattern goes down into the bottom of the alpha range or below into theta, and that is when the subconscious mind is wide open. And whatever you hear or see or do or experience goes right into long-term memory immediately and make com uh, subconscious mind programs. It reprograms your computer program in the subconscious mind. So now the subconscious mind says, okay, good memory. Yeah, I'll work with that. And it you can remember a lot better. I did this in flight school. And it really worked for me. I had uh, I had all my written tests on the wall of honor, except for one. <laughs> that was the first one. And uh, but otherwise, the memory becomes a lot better very soon if you start doing this. I'm going to have to try that now. Yeah, yeah. Th this is really good stuff. And uh, of course, the Zox Pro training that is uh, goes way beyond that. But uh, on the other hand, um, I also, in uh, one of my books that I wrote about spiritual science, I also explain a lot of other things that you can do in order to rebuild both the mind and the body. Right. And, of course, you have also talked about reversing aging. 
Um, I thought we can talk about that for a moment here before we jump into other subjects. I found that quite uh, fascinating. Yeah. I wonder why people don't know about this. Because uh, some though, may have heard that in 2009, three doctors got the Nobel Prize for discovering an enzyme that reverses the aging process, but nobody told us. Of course, knowing what's going on these days with the, you know, the, uh, <clears throat> the UN program that is set to reduce population of Earth, I can understand why. Right. But uh, this should have been publicized. The most extravagant medical announcement this millennia, but it wasn't. And if we are reversing the aging process, we are nipping at immortality. I'm not so sure it's possible because sooner or later you probably have an accident or right. something, you know. You... Sure. But I, uh, I, when I found this out, I did some research and I found some very old people. I found uh, one guy, Li Xing Yuan. He was 256 years old when he died from an accident. Wow. But don't take my word for any of this. Yeah. Go to the Nobel Committee's website, go to 2009, scroll down to medical submissions, and read the papers. You're going to like it. Because one place in there, it's, it's a two-liner. It, it's quite voluminous, but then again, it's worth it. And one place in there, one of the doctors made the comment, if in if we had enough of this enzyme in the body, there would be no reason for anyone to ever die from old age. Now, that is powerful. That is pretty amazing. And uh, a man from um, Yemen died recently. Or Yemen, rather. Yeah? Yes. Um, it says the world's, the world's oldest man dies aged 140 after surgery to remove a horn-like growth on his head. So he had some sort of tumor that was growing out of his head, by the way. It just reminded yeah. me of that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the thing is that there are several ways that we can go about reversing the aging process. There is, as soon as the pharmaceutical companies found out about this research, they went to work and they created a product called TA-65. They said, oh, this will do it. It will help you. And uh, I've researched that one too. And some people say, yeah, it works for me. And most other people say, no, nah, it doesn't do anything. But I'm doing it the cheap way. I'm using Chinese herbs to do this. And there's a lot of medical research showing that these herbs actually do reverse the aging process. Because science has found what causes aging and death. It is there are many contributories to it, but it's mainly one reason. And that is that for every time the cells in your body replicate themselves, the telomeres at the end of the chromosomes inside just every cell in your body gets a little bit shorter. So the cell replicate itself and the telomere get a little shorter. Replicate itself again and the telomere get a little shorter and a little shorter until there's nothing left. So the end of the chromosome start fraying and the cell will not be able to replicate itself. 
and you get struck with old cells in the body, you get older and older and you die. Now, there are other contributors in that. If you drink poison every day, you know, you're going to get so much and sure. it's going to kill you eventually. Or if you take the vaccine, it'll probably kill you too. But these things have not been told to us. So what we are looking at is one guy, he died at the age of uh, 256 at, uh, uh, you know, from an accident. And just for fun, don't take my word on that either. Google the 256-year-old man, and you get to read about him. He's all over out there because this was proven to be true. When he died new, uh, afterwards, New York Times, the newspaper, found out about this, and they had a reporter in uh, Japan at the time and they said, this is so phenomenal, we need to know. So they sent this reporter to China to go to his village to investigate this. And they had a translator with them, and uh, they looked at the paper, and the government verified his age on three different occasions, besides the age on, written on his military papers, because he was a martial arts instructor for the Chinese army, for as long as anybody had known, he was also an herbalist. So now it comes down to an enzyme that is created in the body naturally. Telomerase or telomerase, depending on you know, how you pronounce it. And this is created in the body. The body created on its own. But when we get a little older, it doesn't create as much to be able to sustain itself. So what I am doing, I'm taking Chinese herbs. And uh, what I'm really doing, I wrote a book here. I'm going to mention this because uh, people need to know. And that is, there's a book, Spiritual Science, Higher Conscious Thinking and How to Access the Universal Consciousness. This is a book where I explain what I do, and I explain what herbals I take and uh, things like that, as well as I teach you how to use your mind in ways you normally would think would be impossible. But I, I'm taking two specific herbs that really help for this, and uh, the one of them is, well, there is. I should say there is actually quite a few of them that I take. Geogolin herb in China is called the immortality herb. And uh, there is little, very little medical research on that here in the West that proves that it actually does, but it, the Chinese claim that it does. And the one here that's called astragalus herb, that one, there's a lot of medical research that proves that it lengthens the telomeres inside the the cells at the end of the chromosome there, and it reverses the aging process. So um, this gets serious for the people that really want to extend the life. And right. besides that, when you start reversing the aging process, all age-related diseases go away, like maybe gray hair. That's got nothing to do with aging, but the effects will be you have effects off of it. I've got a few gray whiskers growing myself, to be honest. Gray hair is mostly caused by copper deficiency and an acidic body. 
Oh no. Yeah. I might have to change up my diet here. Yep. Yeah, I got the little gray white hairs going on. Yeah, that, that's not good. I, I'm 77 and I really don't have any gray hair. Jeez. But, uh, but um, the, um, the copper deficiency, if you take copper pills or something like that, it doesn't really make it into the cells. It needs to be a liquid ionic copper. That is ionic copper particles are so small, they make it in to the cells and can affect the cell from the inside. I'm going to have to start writing these things down, by the way. Yeah. Just start uh, taking these, um, these herbs myself. I think a lot of people should. Yeah, I take uh, wild ginseng and gutu cola, goji berries and uh, ling shi, and I take a bunch of them. And I don't know if I need it, but I know one thing, it won't hurt me. It won't hurt you, and I'm sure you feel a lot better too. I'm, I'm sure you feel a lot more energetic than the average person having to uh, go, go to work every morning and uh, commute for about two hours just to get there. Oh, man, uh, that's, that's cruel. <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> it is, yeah. And there's plenty of people uh, out there just like that. So hopefully we can reach um, that sort of demographic, those out there who, you know, need some of these herbs in their lives yeah. uh, to, you know, improve their the longevity of their well-being and their health. And essentially that's all we have in this world is ourselves. Yeah. The health is more important than anything. Right. When you have good health, you don't think of it as much, but when you don't, Ooh, you yeah. understand. Absolutely. This way also, humans are the only animal that cook and destroy all life force in the food before you eat it. Now, have you ever seen a monkey running through the time through the through the tree uh, treetops with a hibachi on his back? I, I would say no. No, I don't think I have seen I don't one think either. So. Because when you eat raw natural foods, you get the life force with it as also the enzymes which is killed in the cooking process. Enzymes are so important for the healthy body. That's why I eat a, a big salad every day, uh, usually in the end of the day, and then I have a piece of fish with it or, you know, something. So basically, eat anything that was once living is a good yeah. general rule. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, for a while, I was really working out quite often, much more than I do these days. Um, but I, I also feel like I was also lowering my immune system when I would work out quite, um, quite hard, I would say. Like if I worked out maybe three, four days in a row, I, I think my immune system would be affected by that. Because oh, I'm yeah, putting absolutely. too much stress on the body, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, that's uh, one thing I noticed. Yeah, uh, I know. I don't get enough exercise, but uh, I get some. I do the Tibetan rites, and uh, that is very good. And uh, I think that helps me a lot. I think we should uh, incorporate some, some weights for you, my friend. Just some small weights to uh, maybe carry around when you go on a walk. Yeah, I, I do have some small, small weights, and I use them, but uh, yeah, it's probably not enough. I sit too much. Yeah, that's one thing. Uh, I think we all do that a lot, and we've got so used to it during uh, the whole pandemic. Yeah. We do a lot of sitting. But I highly recommend for people out there listening to this, start eating raw natural foods, salads. If you get on a salad now, 
and start eating a big salad every day, you're going to extend your life just by that alone. Nice. Compared to if you didn't. By the way, I, I looked up that the, the Chinese man, uh, Li Qingyun, I believe his name is. Yeah. And some articles were saying, uh, well, it's not... It's not a fact, and then some people are saying it's unproven. Um, you know, it I, you can't really go with these people sometimes on these websites. You know, they they don't exactly know. That's why a lot of them are they're saying these are unproven claims. In other words, they don't know. Yeah, and uh, of course, there's going to be people here that don't want this information out right. because that could lead people to herbs, which is healthy for you. Now, the the Chinese government papers show he was born in 1677. Right, 1677. 256 when he dies in the late 1930s, I think it was. Well, that is pretty wild. Um, this website, uh, very infamous with uh, people, certain people out there that, you know, they look this up and they go with this website, this very famous website where people like to fact check. And I was oh, just, yeah. I was just led there though, and it, it said unproven. Usually, it just says it says false or uh, any other kind of thing, uh, but this one says unproven. So that means they have no idea if that's uh, true or not. But I would say, you know, the Chinese generally, well, I should say, um, the Asian population out there, all the Asians out there, they seem to live pretty long. Yeah, they do. It's all the tea they eat, or all the tea and all the herbs they take. Yeah. They, they eat a lot of herbs. And the same thing, uh, even in India, out in the countryside, why do we wonder that there is no cancer in the middle part of India, out of the cities? They hardly ever have it because they eat a lot of herbs. What a, and going back to the Chinese and just Asian population in general, they seem yeah. not to really be affected by like lung cancer. And a lot of them are, are pretty frequent smokers cigarette smokers and plenty of times they don't get cancer and you know i had a grandmother who was very very old extremely old and she was a smoker and her lungs were perfectly fine mm -hmm. i have no idea how or why but uh, some folks they you know they, they become these hardcore smokers and nothing is ever wrong with their lungs or their hearts depends on what you smoke too if you get a hold of american cigarettes they got Hundreds and hundreds of poisonous chemicals in it. If you get Turkish tobacco or Russian tobacco, they don't have that. They have just plain tobacco. So that's Native American tobacco. So if you choose that, then you don't have the poisons and you won't get necessarily lung cancer from it. Right. Um, I would just opt out from smoking on altogether. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be smoking cigarettes. Oh, I... I I only smoked for three weeks back in Norway when I was about 18. Yeah, you were just trying it out. I mean, that sounds like me. You know, I bought my first pack of cigarettes around 18, and I, I took one puff, maybe even two, and uh, I hated it right away. Yeah. <laughs> Not for me. I'd rather uh, drink a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> that's better. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a bit more healthier. And, uh, you know, you, you said you went to flight school, and I, I have to say, my goodness, I don't know how you did it. I'm afraid of heights. I hate flying. Uh, I'm very nervous about getting into the air and all that. And the fact that you went through with it and have flown for, I'm sure, many years now, 
much respect to you, my friend. Wow. Yeah, it's different sitting in the back where you have no control. If you're in the cockpit and you know what's going on, know what everything is for, you are in control of the airplane. I would, still, different. I would still I freak just, out, though. I mean, if you are, you know, during takeoff, that sort of thing as well, I think that is frightening. No. You get yeah, used to when it? you get used to it, ah, it okay. it's, it's not much at all. It's, I used to teach aerobatics, and that was fun. Flying upside down Oof. and doing loops and immelments and snap rolls and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. I get anxiety just thinking about it. <laughs> wow. No. You will get used to it. That is wild. And, you know, I've flown a number of times already, and I, I just can't get used to it. I've never been able to get used to it. You know, even if I drank at the bar before even uh, going on a flight there, that didn't help. That that made it worse. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so again, I, I mean, that is pretty wild. And uh, a random thing here as well. I mean, I just got this sort of thing, um, this sort of thought in my in my head here. Um, and, you know, I hate to take us back to something like uh, 9-11 and what happened that morning, but there was a Muslim uh, hijacker by the name of Hani Hanjour, and he flew that, uh, that big American airline uh, plane there, and he also went to flight school, and, and he was terrible. I mean, he was late countless times. He wasn't really good, and that was on a small Cessna um plane you know those really small ones yeah and he you know they're saying that he flew that plane right into into the uh, twin towers there or actually the pentagon rather not the yeah not the twin towers yeah and uh i would say to any one of the listeners out there that if you really believe that i have some swampland in western nebraska that <laughs> i would like to sell you and you can go hunting crocodiles every day of the week out there so yes it was the pentagon not the twin towers i was again thinking about the main thing but yes the, the pentagon rather and you know he was going nearly 500 miles per hour um, and he was somehow able to do something that not even highly experienced pilots could never perform. Yeah, the thing about that is that I've seen the video of that hit, and it was not an airplane, it was a rocket, and, uh, and uh, the first initial hole in the wall where the rocket went through yeah. was so small you couldn't fit an airliner in it, so uh, that whole thing was a lie. I agree with you. I, I don't think that actually happened. I, I don't think he flew in there. No, there was no airplane there. There was a, a rocket. It looks like a rocket to me, judging from that still photograph that we all seen. Yeah. Isn't that There's crazy? There's a video on it, too, that is out there. It's pretty crazy that that even happened. To you know, I mean, it's been so long now, and I still think about it all the time. Yeah, the Bush family got away with it. <laughs> A lot of people got away with things that morning. Um, yeah. We had lots of insider trading and, you know, that always is kind of a red flag when any of these sort of events go down, like COVID. Uh, again, there was lots of insider trading that went on, very much like what happened on 9-11. And people just uh, ignore all these sort of things all the time. It's, it's quite remarkable that uh, the, the, the normal folks out there have not caught on yet. Um, but many kind of are, they're, they're starting to wake up, even though we're a small demographic, my friend. More people are waking up as a result 
of um, what's been going on the last three years now with the vaccine. Yeah. Oh, it, it's going to come out. And when it does, Joe Blow and Harry Ho handled down the street, they're going to be pissed. There is going to be problems for the bureaucrats that engineered this. I agree. And uh, obviously, you, of course, are not vaccinated, I imagine. No, I wouldn't be that stupid. <laughs> yes, sir. That's what I, that's what I say. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be the that foolish. That I used the wrong word. I said stupid because when you watch TV, you feel like you're informed and you made your decision on make, you made it an informed decision right. because the authorities, they are honest. You all know that they keep telling you that on TV. So you listen to them and you trust them. So now that is changing. But at the time, they did what they felt was right. Yeah. They uh, were also either doing what they felt was right or their job was basically forcing them to get vaccinated, which is another thing that is just, it's bizarre to me. And to be honest, no, to be honest with you, you know, I've lost three different opportunities now to, to be on terrestrial radio again because the radios, those radio stations wanted me to be vaccinated. And it was for a remote job, by the way. Yeah. Huh. Madness. What a world. Yeah. And then uh, I see out of uh, a British aviation journal that one out of five pilots in England is grounded because of heart problems after they got vaccinated. Yeah, there you go. Lots of people having these heart issues, young people, pilots especially, lots of people yeah. grounded the planes. And that's probably one of the reasons why lots of planes were, were grounded not long ago. Yeah, and uh, a whole bunch, and I say a whole bunch of pilots have died in the cockpit en route to their destination. I guess the truth will slowly come out. I give yeah. it another year or two where we, we start seeing even more people start dropping. And we're already seeing them drop. A lot of young people, a lot of athletes already dropping. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It really is, but... Um, you know, during the beginning of COVID, I, and I hate to uh, keep bringing this up here, but, you know, during COVID, people were scared. You know, they didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Yeah, that was engineered that way to keep them scared so they come to government for help. That's right. And everybody was watching the TV and watching videos of uh, people in China just, just dropping like flies. Yeah. I think that was a fake, by the way much of it was yeah it was just a propaganda but they did it they sure did a number on us but uh eventually we'll we'll um get much more uh news even though i think we kind of already know exactly what happened and what was perpetrated but again just like a jfk and just like a bunch of other things that happened in the way way past years from now we'll get a little bit more info on that end um, hopefully you live, hopefully I live to see that day Yeah, when the I truth know. finally hits. Yeah, and the thing about it, when uh, when President uh, Trump was going to release the um, JFK uh, files, yeah. he, uh, he said, I'll release it all, and then he didn't. And they asked him why, and he said, if you had seen what I had seen, he said, you would have restricted some of it too wow some bold claims there but he might be right yeah because he uh, the people that did it they were still working for government in high positions 
Understood. Yeah. You know, a lot of uh, people don't really like Trump at all. Uh, well, they don't like a lot of uh, politicians, no matter if you're on the left and the right. I'm kind of one of those people that don't really like any president, to be honest. But to yeah. uh, be fair, though, Donald Trump did buy us lots of time. That's one thing he did do. He bought us time um, from what was going to happen, what was coming. Yeah, he did. He bought four years. Yep. But on the other hand, also, he uh, he did phenomenally good for the economy of the country. So uh, I have no problem with him. And if he comes back, that is fine. If he doesn't, then I hope there is somebody that is equally capable. I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's one thing um, that I, I definitely do uh, respect about Trump is that, you know, the economy was quite was quite well at that time. Unlike how it is today, I mean, banks are failing all over the all over the world, not just here in America. We have inflation, we have threats um, from all over the place. I kind of feel like we might be seeing uh, a global conflict by August, my friend. That's what I truly feel. Well, there won't be any global conflict in my timeline. Well, I hope not. I mean, I don't want to see that. Yeah. I have designed it that way because that's what we do. Uh, Nori Love and I put together a mastermind where we program the future on the basis of the same principles that quantum mechanics allow for. You, the best way to predict the future is to create it, and we are doing that. We, uh, we use the spiritual language, and that is one thing that uh, you will know how to do if you read this book uh, that I wrote on spiritual science, higher conscious thinking, and how to access the universal consciousness. Because science is showing us very clearly that we live in a holographically generated, mind-created universe. And if the mm -hmm. mind is involved in creating the universe, Amazingly, we are in the universe, so we are mind-created too. And it isn't only our mind involved in doing this. It is everybody else's mind that accepts the same thing as when it's the universal mind, the universal consciousness, or the quantum, or whatever people call it. Call it God, if you like. That's fine with me. But this is a creative force and we are able to mold it into what we do and sometimes we bend the laws of physics in order to get things done and are you religious no that has nothing to do with religion when religion get a hold of something they usually screw it up and create some type of a program where they control people well i'm with you on that one yeah. I'm not a religious at all, but I'm kind of an agnostic atheist in a way. Just depending on yeah. just depending on what day it is. Sometimes I lean more towards there being a creator and then sometimes I lean towards well, I you know, I don't really know. There is a universal consciousness that we can tap into that holds all knowledge past, present and future. If you have actually thought of something really intensely and created a very elaborate mental image of it. That is transferred into that universal mind, and it is put there because you have given it a low form of life. 
Later on, you can go there and retrieve it and bring it back into your physicality and it could become real a lot easier than it otherwise would. And let me ask, do you believe there is a higher being of sorts? I'm having a challenge with the word God or being. Yes, sir. There is an intelligence. Intelligence, okay. Yeah. And you think that intelligence created us? The mind of that intelligence created us for the purpose of learning and growing. So you could say that because that intelligence has no feet and arms and hangnails, so they cannot have physical experiences. So it created our bodies for us to have experiences so they could, so it could learn from us how physical experiences are. And we are taking all that with us and going back into the universal mind and the universal mind learned from us. With other words, God learns and grows. So in other words, you don't really believe what Zachariah Sitchin has been uh, saying when, when he was alive about the Sumerians and how we were genetically engineered, in a sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, or do you believe that? I think that he, uh, he was on the right track. I think he misunderstood a few things and misinterpreted or mistranslated, possibly. It's possible, yeah. But yes, the Anunnaki came here 450,000 years ago. They splashed on in the Arabian Sea, and they walked to shore, and they created this little village they called Edin. Isn't that close to Eden? And then... Mm -hmm. The, uh, they spent seven days creating the first village. And they looked at it and said, this is good. It's Can hard. you see the parallels to the Bible here? Yes. So, uh, yeah, that happened. And they were there for many, many thousand years. And <clears throat> they came here to dig for gold because they needed gold for their planet. And... Uh, they got some, and the workers got wore out, and they uh, rebelled, and then they, they figured out that maybe we should make things a little easier for our people. So let's create a being that is smart enough to do the work, but don't ask any questions. And they created what they called man. The first one was Lulu, and not Adam, but Lulu. And Lulu here was very unhappy and he didn't have any way to reproduce and so they created another one they called Adama and uh, that one was also unhappy because they didn't have any companions or anything so they created another being called Shava that was later on became Eve and that uh, it's all written down in world history called the Sumerian tablets so we need to go look at that world history and we'll find out with one race is what they created. There are many other races on earth and most of those are seeded from space, from alien beings that, was, that put them here or they came here and crashed here and later on became earthlings, so to speak. That covers the Chinese race and the African black race, they come from Sirius too. Ask the Dogon people, they know all about it because they said 5,000 years ago, 
they uh, had a ship come down out of the sky and they came there to visit because they wanted to find out how they were doing and they were, because they told them that we placed you here. Our, so our human that, origins are so fascinating, but they're so suppressed. It's, it's really a, a tragedy that our own origins are just so mysterious. It's like we have amnesia. Yeah, and then back in the old days, the people that came and visited, the Dogon people, they said, the, the Sirius, that is two stars. It's a binary system with two stars. And science did not know that at the time. That that was discovered later. Yeah, but the that's Dogon another thing. People, they already knew that because they talked right. to the people that were from there. Yeah, the Dogon tribe, yes. They yeah. knew of things, um, different stars out there, galaxies, yeah. and it does make you scratch your head and wonder how the hell did these these indigenous people have this sort of knowledge? How did they obtain this sort of knowledge? And, uh, well, they would all say it came from the, the people from the stars, they say. Yeah, we're told that people, uh, you know, 10,000, 15,000, 30,000, 100,000 years ago, they were all knuckle-draggers. No, right. they were not. Yeah, it's hard to believe that as well, that these people that um, existed such a long time ago, and even to this, to this day, I still believe that man is way older than what's recorded. Many of the ones lived 10,000 years ago. They have much more spiritual knowledge than we do here. Right. Right. Um, so, um, so all this is so fascinating to me and it's all subjects I've, I've been talking about forever and it never gets old for me. It's just, it blows my mind, uh, each time. And, yeah. um, you also had this very interesting experience. I, I recall you, uh, telling the story a few times of these light beings. And I must say I had a similar experience myself, except I wasn't being communicated with. I just saw this great sort of uh, fluorescent, sort of powerful light just take over the entire room. And even as I closed my eyes tightly to protect my eyes from this powerful light, that light was still there. It, it was quite the, uh, quite the phenomenon. I have no idea what it was. Some people say it was light beans. I don't know what it was. It could have been, but... Uh, Who knows, yeah. You should have taken the opportunity to talk through it. You know what? You're right. But at the time, I was just so confused. I had no clue what was going on. Yeah. You'd be amazed, though. There are a lot of people that have this experience. Yeah. And uh, they feel like, I can't talk to anybody about this because they'll think I'm nuts. Yeah, and that's how I felt. To, yeah. You know, I thought I was going nuts, but I wasn't the only one in the room when it happened. So that's what makes it even even a, a greater story to tell. Yeah. Um, it, it it sort of brings validity to the story. It lets me know that I experienced something and uh, so did the other person and I, and I wasn't going crazy. Absolutely. And uh, those beings of light, they do exist in the higher vibrations. And on occasion, when there's a need for it or they need to communicate with someone here, they lower the vibration to be able to be here but they still keep the light so we can see them in their original form. You, that's that's hmm. what I had, and that was quite an experience. I, I want you to tell, tell me and tell the listeners a little bit about your experience with that, but before you do, 
do you think there's a way to make that happen again? For me to make that happen again? Uh, yes, actually there is. Um, I don't know. Your experience was a little different because the whole room lit up. Mm -hmm. So that is a little different than what I had. But you can. There is a way. I talk very extensively about that in the book that I mentioned. Because you can communicate with the universal mind in a spiritual language. That is not a language of words. It is a language of emotion, intention, gratitude, intention, and love. When you start engaging all these concepts into a feeling, that is what the universe can communicate with and understand. So if you create that feeling around something that you want to happen in your life, it understands and it can answer. So we can talk more about this sometime, actually, maybe just you and me, and we can... Uh, sure. Or we can... Uh, or what you really should do is to come and join us in the mastermind and check it out. I'll invite you to come and join us on Sundays, and uh, you can see how this is done. Yeah, I mean, I would love to. Yeah. I'll, yeah, absolutely. I'll have to do is to send me an email and I'll get you some information. I also will invite uh, the listeners, send us an email to themastermindconnection at gmail.com and I'll get you some information and uh, you can come and check it out and see if you are ready to, well... Blow your mind, I guess, because <laughs> yeah. what you do sometimes should not happen. Like when we created howling rain out of basically clear skies in an hour and a half to put out some forest fires. Things like that doesn't happen in nature. Do you? Is that like a mass consciousness experiment? Yes. Ah, very nice. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's uh, let's do that. Yeah. I'm all in. Yeah, so you asked about my experience. Yes, sir. Uh, I guess uh, the first, <clears throat> I, I came to the United States and I went through flight school and uh, I came here in April, uh, first of April, what a joke. <laughs> and uh, and um, I uh, went back to Norway to visit for Christmas. And then I went back to the farm that we had sold to a new owner and I walked off into the forest. And in the forest, there is uh, this big grave mound, a Viking grave mound, that uh, we were always wondering what was inside of that thing. And, uh, you know, it was it's a grave mound, so there was a Viking in there, you know, that's obvious. And I walked up on top of it and sat down and meditated for a little bit. I sat there for a while, not that long. And I was sitting there with my eyes closed, and I heard the sound of just like somebody turned on a faucet. It was like water was running. And I remember thinking, water running? That can't be. I'm here. There's no water. So I opened my eyes up, and there was this man standing ahead of me, and he was about seven, eight feet away from me. He was about seven foot tall. He had a kind of like a robe or something like that. It had gold 
cuffling around the cufflinks and gold around the collar. And he was standing there smiling, looking at me. And it scared the chocolate out of me. And I just split right there, ran down the, the grave mound and headed off into the forest to go, go back. And I heard the voice in my head. And it said, where are you going? And I thought about that. And I figured, well, if he wanted to get me, he probably could have done that a little easier. So I stopped and I walked back. And I walked up on the mound and he was still standing there. And uh, I felt an immense emotion when I was sitting there. And my tears were running down my face. It's kind of like it. Every time I think of this, I get the same emotion. Oh. And I was sitting there looking up at him. And I remember that, yeah, that's right. That's, I was sitting there for a while and then I raised up. And I was there, and we had a communication. It was mostly him talking to me, listen, deal, but we had a communication. I asked a few questions. One of them was, who are you? What is your name? And he said, we do not use names, he says. We see the people. No, we visualize the people, and that is the call to communicate with them. But if you absolutely need a name, 